Well, where should I even start? I mean, Week 12 delivers some absolutely amazing performances, games filled filled with season-defining wins, upsets, and a heartbreak for an undefeated season that we're going to cover here on the Blue Bloods. We also were going to start out by apologizing. This was the worst ever pick six week in the history of the Blue Bloods between us. Um, both went two and four. And the bad part is we didn't even win the same two games. That That is that might be the most embarrassing thing I've ever had to say to you guys. So we're going to aim to rebound this weekend. Rivalry week is coming up. We're covering a bunch of games. Me and Brandon are going to go 20 and 0. I'm already putting it out there. We're going to make you guys proud. But guys, we're going to recap a loaded week in a college ball right here. So let's strap in and kick it off. So the first game we're going to cover, man, primetime matchup, 6.30 on ESPN3, or the ESPN app, as some people call it. We had the number 21, Liberty Flames, undefeated season, ended, Brandon, by a blocked field goal by NC State, 15-14 to 14 win for the Wolfpack. Brandon, are you as upset as I am that Liberty did not pull this one off? Yeah, I'm pretty upset. I'm, I'm mostly upset because, uh, kind of like you said in the intro, we did really bad on pick six, and this was this contributed to it because Liberty should have won this game. Liberty should have won this game. Liberty should have won this game. I'll keep saying it until the day I die. <laughs> I mean, the winning quarterback, Brandon, had 154 yards in the pick. That's that's really tough. I, I hate that. I, I hate that but, stat line right now. <laughs> the leading receiver for NC State guys had one catch for 55 yards. <laughs> This is ridiculous. And and look at Liberty. Look at Liberty on paper. Liberty on paper looks incredible. Or not incredible, but they look a lot better than, than NC State does. I mean, not really. I mean, they got outgained. They had three turno- turnovers. They lost time of possession. They had less first downs. I mean, I don't think Liberty's played a worse game this entire year than they did, you know, this year. I mean, for this game, Brandon, NC State had 14 penalties for 123 yards, and they yeah. still found a way to win this game. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And, you know, I, it falls. It, this is just kills me to say. And I'm going to get to something after I say it because I saw some horrible things on Twitter about this kid, and it just made me upset for him. But Malik Willis did not play a good game, Brandon. I mean, when you have a 35 QBR, that's, that's tough. I mean, he did outplay Bailey Hockman on the other side, 13 QBR for the winning team, Brandon. So apparently NC State can win games with a 13 QBR quarterback. But – Willis was inaccurate, Brandon. Um, he didn't put up a lot of yards. He only had 172 yards passing, 44 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, but the three interceptions, Brandon, he came into the game with one turnover on the entire year. And right. an NC State team who got roasted by um, a lot of teams, let's just say a lot of teams, Miami, Pitt put up a big game against them, even though they eventually lost all kind of like the same missed PAT slash field goal, but NC State's a defense that really came in not having much to hang their hat on, and they completely had Liberty, caught caught them off guard, I would say. 
No, I agree. And, it, you know, th- this game, to me, was just so sloppy, right? Like, everything about oh, yeah. it. It was, it was disgusting. It, it should not even have been on ESPN3. <laughs> they should have just not televised it, like, period. They should have, there should yeah, be. Put, 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 camera put, should put be on CBS Sports things. Network. Yes, CBS. CBS Sports Network. Okay. And like no one's watching. Channel Southern Miss plays on. Okay. Well, that, that was that was mean if you know it. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it. I just I don't know what to say. And listen, guys, I I don't know. I just want to say this as an Auburn fan. If you're an Auburn fan and you went to Twitter to trash Malik Willis last night, you are like the worst kind of person. Scum. I just want to put that out there. Like you are trash. You are garbage. Okay. I mean. This kid transferred because he knew he wasn't going to be able to start because Bo Nix was rigged into the starting job. And you're going to hate this kid because he went back to play closer to his family and got a starting job and has played better than Bo Nix has this year. And he has one bad game, and we're going to just bully him on social media? Like, what is going on as a fan base, guys? I just uh, Is everyone okay? Like, I, I can put you in contact with some with some mental health people, but... We're gonna go bully a transfer kid because he had one bad game. I don't even. I think he still might have played better than Bo Nix played last night. Well, you know that's not that's not like an accolade, Zach. That's not something to hang your hat on that you played better than Bo Nix did last night. I thought the Jordan Hair magic was gonna help him out. I guess we'll talk about that later. But I mean, Brandon. So Malik Willis, two touchdowns, three interceptions, one seventy-two, lost a one-point game. He still played better than Bo Nix did against Georgia. He could have not even suited up and played better than Bo Nix against Georgia. And we're going to bully this kid. Uh, like, as an Auburn fan, I was embarrassed to see that last night. Because apparently Auburn Twitter was just nothing but Malik roasting Malik Willis. Auburn Twitter, and look, I'm, parts of, I'm, I'm a part of a lot of, uh, like, not great parts of Twitter. But Auburn Twitter sounds like an all-time low. No, stop it. I will, I will I will drop the receipts from Tiger Droppings right now on the podcast. <laughs> no, I we could go talk. Uh, if I went to Tiger Droppings in the third quarter of the Arkansas game, what would I have found, Brandon? Don't worry about it. <laughs> he said, "I think it's ba- I think it's on the dark web now. I don't even <laughs> think you can find Tiger Droppings at that point." But I mean, Brandon, we talked on the podcast for NC State to pull this upset. They had to get the running game started. Zonovan Knight and Ricky uh, Person Jr., I mean, they both played outstanding games, both averaging six yards a carry, two touchdowns, both had over 80 yards rushing. I mean, they played outstanding. Liberty had no answer for NC State tonight, and I think the difference in run game, Malik Willis's turnovers, I think it got NC State the win, and this is a uh, – it's hard to say that when beating Liberty as an ACC team is a big win, but this is probably their biggest win in the season. Yeah, no, it definitely is. I mean, against this ranked Liberty team, I mean, that's not a bad win for anybody, in my opinion. No, I I don't think so at all. But, guys, the streak comes to an end. Liberty next week, Brandon, has to face UMass in a huge rebound game for the Flames, while NC State has a great chance to keep their winning streak alive. They go up against one-win Syracuse next week in the Dome, Brandon. So NC State has a chance to make some noise here. They win that game, Brandon. They're sitting at 7-3 and three yeah, on the season. Yeah. That's pretty good for NC State. But let's move on to a game that I'm sure Brandon does not want to talk about. Um, yeah. It was one of Brandon's four losses. It was one of my wins. It is number seven Cincinnati pulling the comeback win over UCF 36-33. 
Brandon, I'm so glad because when they jumped out 14 nothing in like the first three minutes, I was like, oh, I'm for sure going to go have to buy a PS5 tonight. <laughs> yeah. No, they 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 hardly even they hardly even covered the over. I mean, I locked the over in at 60 and a half points. Uh, I think it ended up being 65 and a half. They scored 66. Oh, 66. Yeah. yeah, I had 66 is what ESPN is saying right now, but it it depends. I mean, it, it lines all over the place. I would have taken 66 or 69 before the game. Yeah. No, if you would have, I mean, if it would, if the over-under would have been 69 and a half before the game, I probably would have gone with the over still. Like, that, I mean, that's yeah, 10 extra right. points, but, and I would have lost. You know, it, this this score really did surprise me. And, Zach, as much as I, wa- I really wanted to, you have to believe me from the bottom of my heart, I wanted to call the Cincinnati defense elite. I can't because they gave up 359 yards. They didn't give up less than 350 like I, like we talked about in the preview episode. Oh, that's so tough. That's, I mean, that's nine yards. tough. That, that sucks. I mean, you know, it may, maybe you play a little bit of pass defense. You don't let Dylan Gabriel pass for 243 on you, and then maybe there's a different story. You, you right know now. what's bad? That's still like 200 yards below his average. <laughs> no, mean, I know. I mean, Brandon, UCF falls to five and three. This has to be the best three-loss team in the country, right? Or one of them? I mean, they're good. I'm, this offense is elite. And their defense played really well early. Yeah. I mean, well, okay, first quarter early, and then things kind of got out of hand there. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I really was impressed with UCF. I, I think they played really, really well. I think they, early in the game, Brent, I mean, they forced that turnover. I think it was a muff punt. The, the kid kind of got away with it, but... He did it within the letter of the law, so he was falling. Well, if you slide and don't touch the dude, they just say that you got blocked into him. Well, when he slid, it made the guy jump, and when he jumped, the ball just went right underneath him and all that. And it was a great play by UCF. They cashed in early. I, I was when it was fourteen to three, Brandon. I was losing it. I was like, "There's no way Cincinnati's going to win this game." I don't know if they're going to be able to. It, once you down fourteen three to an offense like this, it's hard to have faith. Yeah, that you're no, going to be able to come back. It is. It absolutely is because I mean that you know if this if the Cincinnati defense didn't really step it up, you know at, at that point this game could have gotten really ugly. And Zach might have been having to buy me a PS5. I mean that's just how things go sometimes because this UCF offense can really I mean they can step into the gear and they need to. And you know that 14 points early could have easily turned into at, at least at least 45 points in this game, right, Zach? Oh, a thousand percent. And I loved Cincinnati's strategy. It's what I said they had to do. They play keep away, Brandon. Only yeah. 22 minutes of possession for UCF. Almost 40 for Cincy. That's, that was, that's elite in my opinion. I mean, they put up, they, they put up almost 500 yards of total offense. They, I mean, Desmond Ritter, Brandon, as much as his horrible start, kind of has plagued the perception of him. He's playing an elite level right now. Right. No, he absolutely I mean, I mean, four total touchdowns. He had, what, almost 400 yards of total offense by himself? Right. I just, I was so impressed. I mean, he outplayed Dylan Gabriel in Orlando. And oh, I, I, I think crazy. it, I mean, uh, he outplayed him by a small amount, but he still outplayed him. I mean, he had a better what he had a better completion percentage. He had more passing yards. He had no turnovers. He was better on the ground than Dylan Gabriel, which isn't really fair because Dylan Gabriel is not really like a scrambler like Ritter is. But 
I was impressed with the Cincinnati defense again, Brandon. Yeah, they might not have hit your criterion of holding them to under 350 total yards, but Derek Forrest picked off Dylan Gabriel. Three, Dylan Gabriel, Brandon, had three more passes to complete to set the all-time record for the longest no interception streak in school history, and Derek Forrest picked him off disrespectfully in the red zone. I know it's that that hurt. That hurt everyone who was who was on this train. <laughs> and uh, my condolences go out to, to the UCF uh, family. That's what we are. Yeah, and I mean Otis Anderson. Really, I mean he was okay on the ground for UCF, but. That's the thing about UCF, Brandon. You can never rely on the run game to really help them out down the stretch. Yeah, no. They yeah. they were struggling. And when Dylan Gabriel is your second-leading rusher with 30 yards, it's not a good look. I mean, you look on the other side, Jared Dokes had 97 yards rushing. And, uh, Brandon, in that fourth quarter, Jared Dokes is the reason Cincinnati pulled this close game out because it seemed like he could get three to four yards every single carry. And Cincinnati just churned that fourth quarter clock, and it was beautiful to watch. And you got to give it up to Cincinnati, I think, Brandon. I, I I know they started out slow, but what they their fourth quarter drives were what five minutes, four minutes. I mean, they possessed the ball for nine of the fifteen minutes in the fourth quarter, right? In the close game, and that just that was the nail in the coffin for them. But are you going to say Cincinnati is an elite team now? Do you mm. think? Do you think? Do you think they would have any chance to beat anybody else in the top 10? Mm. Well, the new top 10 or the old top 10? Uh, we'll go with the new top 10. Uh, let me look at the new top 10 because I haven't looked at anything. Let's see. Standings. Standings. I mean, I, standings. Um, I, maybe. Uh, you know, they. they I don't know. I, I think their best shot would probably be like a Texas A&M or Oregon for sure. Yeah, they could beat Oregon. They could beat Oregon. I'll say it. And I think they could beat Miami. Yeah. Um, and listen, I still – I'm on this train. I know people are not on this train with me. You'll get on it eventually. They'd beat BYU. Right. And they, I think they'd beat Notre Dame. I really do. I don't. See, I think I think BYU, but Notre Dame's stout, man. Notre Dame's stout, but I think Notre Dame's losing this upcoming weekend. We'll get to that next you, episode. You keep thinking they're going to lose, and they just don't. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to lose to Clemson again anyway. But, Brandon, I think Desmond Ritter is going to win the MVP of the AAC uh, based on what he's done after the, you know, what, the first two games of the season. This kid has been the most electric player in this conference. Jared Dokes has done his thing. I I don't think there's a defense in the group of five that could that ever wants to see Cincinnati on the field. Right. That this team is balanced. This team, I think, right now would be in the hunt for the ACC championship. It would be in the hunt for the Big Ten championship. I think that's how good this team is. And God forbid they'd probably already be winning the Pac-12. <laughs> yeah, they they have the Pac-12 on lock. Uh, on lock. But guys, the tough loss there. But UCF heads to face their in-state rival USF in a heated rivalry game down in Florida. While since Cincinnati is scheduled to face a struggling Temple team in Philly in what's sure to be a riveting matchup right there. I'm sure pick the over because Cincinnati is going to hit whatever the over is there. Um, but we're moving out west to the Pac-12. Brandon, your boy Keaton and USC pulled off the win 33-17 over Utah. And this was the game that we both won 
and thank God USC finally didn't make me sweat all night long. They were making me sweat kind of early though, um, because yeah, I they didn't the play well very them. early. I'm like, oh my gosh! But no, they they ended up pulling it out, and good thing they did because this Utah team is just not good. They're just a bad football team, is what I'll say. Okay, that's that's a little tough. That's a little strong. Their Stop that. Their leading rusher had thirty two yards, Zach. They just lost a what a third round pick to the draft. Zach Moss was really good. No, I understand Zach Moss is really good, and I understand this Utah team was really good as a whole last year. But there's a reason that they were trying to get their games canceled, Zach, and that's because their quarterbacks he's good for 170 yards and two picks, and their running backs good for 32 yards. You see, we took two different paths here. I was going to say Keaton Slovis might be the star of the team, but the USC defense was the MVP this weekend. Right. I think they played amazing. I mean, Brandon, they allowed under 330 of total offense, only allowed 6.4 yards per pass, under four yards per rush, forced five turnovers, Brandon. And the defense has been the weakness for the Trojans for multiple years now, to say the least. And this weekend they showed up. They really only allowed 10 points, Brandon, because seven came from a fumble recovery, I believe, that Utah took back early in the game. But then you have uh, Raylan Goforth uh, go and Kana uh, Mawiga led the defense, Brandon, 23 total tackles for these linebackers. Oh, wow. One sack, two tackles for loss, and two pass breakups for their two leading linebackers here. I mean... These guys were all over the field. I think even the third string linebacker had like eight or nine tackles. I mean, the kid, these kids are flying around to the football. And if USC can find a way to be this, this opportunistic, fast, physical defense, then they absolutely can win the Pac 12 branding. Cause I'm not completely sold on Oregon right now. And I don't think there's a team in the Pac 12, Brandon, that can beat USC in a shootout. So if this defense, can just stop another team two, three times, they're going to win every game. Yeah, no, I I can definitely see that. And Slovis, Brandon, you know, I don't – he played a good game, but I don't think this was an explosive, flashy game that I think we've gotten used to see, you know, Slovis play. I think he could have been a little – We haven't really seen that a lot out of him this this season. And that's not Keaton's fault. He also started it 80 times a game, it feels like. We're not going to blame Keaton, Zach. We're a pro-Keaton podcast. We are pro-Keaton, but I'm critical of people that I'm fans of. Brandon, 20-plus yards down the field, one for three, 22 yards. Yeah, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? It's Keaton. He's he has elite. he has targets that can stretch the defense and take the top off, so we have to see more of that because I don't think they're going to beat the elite of the elite in the Pac-12 if they're just dinking and dunking. Yeah, yeah you, you're right about that. Brew McCoy, Amon Ross St. Brown, all these guys can go deep. They need to start going deep more. But the rushing game, Brandon, I think wasn't as strong as it was the first two weeks where we saw USB escape. Uh, Malapay, you know, has been somewhat consistent, but as a team, 31 for 93 yards, a three-yard average. It's not great, especially when Utah is replacing countless starters on defense, Brandon. This should have been a game USC's offense could have clicked together and really put up some points. Right. And and, and you wanted and that's that's what I was getting at what you know when we first started this this game. You know, yeah, USC pulled this one out and yeah, it was pretty convincing, but it could have been so much more convincing, especially against this broken Utah team. 
I mean, absolutely, especially after what Jake Bentley did on the other side. You kind of mentioned it. I mean, 171, a touchdown, two picks. Brandon, he graded out at a 39.1 by Pro Football Focus, which I think might still be too generous. Right. Well, do you know what his QBR was? Because, you know, that could tie into the later, to the later segment. Um, I'm not sure. I think it's, I would think it was in the fifties, if I'm not mistaken. I gotcha. Uh, that's tough though. 50, like 50 is a little tough, but Brandon, his downfield passing was worse than Keaton's. I mean, it's going to have to improve. Brandon, one for six, 25 yards and two interceptions. Right. And I get it. Downfield passing. This is his first start, but come on. I mean, he started a whole year at South Carolina though. Well, yeah, but it's, it's, it's his first start here. So are you really going to give South Carolina a lot of credit for what they're doing, Zach? No, no. South Carolina lost to Missouri this weekend and still doesn't have a coach. So Thank you. We'll, we'll let that be what it is. But, I mean, Brandon, this offense is built to take shots. They use the run, and then they set up the deep ball, and they expect their quarterback to go make plays like that. And right. If he can't make these deep passes, this offense is going to be way too one-dimensional to beat absolutely anybody worth a damn. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, way, way to put it, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, and Zach Moss is replacement and has to step up eventually. I mean, they had a by-committee approach. Todd Jordan and Jordan Wilmore seem to be kind of the two leading candidates for that job. But as a team, they did rush for over 100 yards, but the four yards per carry – and consistently not being able to move the chains is a little concerning. And listen, I'm trying not to be too critical, Brandon, because an RV1 was going to have to emerge. But you also got to think of how much time and practice and training that the Utes and other teams have lost due to COVID. Plus, Utah had a bunch of cancellations and COVID issues anyway. Yeah, I like that you said that you're not trying to be too critical. That's kind of like saying no offense before you say something really offensive. Zach's being really critical right now, guys. I'm not. I didn't pick them to win. I, I, I don't even remember my score prediction off the top of my head. But I mean, I feel like it wasn't too off from what we got this weekend. I mean, it was 33 to 17, right? That, that's the final score here. And my prediction was 34 to 13, USC. Okay. Well, I mean, so that's I mean, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Props. But. I, I just think Utah has a long way to go. I think next year is the year they're really looking forward to. I think this is great to get some of these young guys some reps, some in-season work, um, I would say. But right now, I think Utah is just kind of going through the motions right now, Brandon. I don't expect them to win any of the big games in the Pac-12 this year. Right, right. No, it's it's going to be a tough season for Utah. It's going to be bad. But listen, they lost a lot of talent, guys. But Kyle Whittingham is a amazing coach. They're traveling to Tempe to face Arizona State next weekend. Tempe? While, yeah. It's Tempe. <laughs> okay. We're calling it Tempe. I don't like Tempe. That's that's disgusting. Exactly. Um, USC, <laughs> on the other hand, Brandon's pumped about this. They moved to 3-0. and They should be 1-2, and but they're 3-0. They, they look to continue their quest for a Pac-12 title against Colorado next week, Brandon, who's also undefeated and has looked real strong this season. So that's going to be a big game. I would have never guessed that they were still undefeated. Yes, they are 2-0. They have they have actually looked really good, Brandon. But we're moving to the game that I was hoping we could just – can we skip this game? Is that is that allowed? Like on the podcast live, can we just not cover this game? Um, I mean, I, it's bad. Yeah. It's it's, it's going to get real disgusting. I have some real mean things to say about this team. They're not getting the benefit of the doubt like Utah. 
Okay. Uh, we got Bedlam. It was it, it was absolute carnage in Norman this weekend, guys. 41-13, to 13, Oklahoma win over number 14, Oklahoma State. And this game almost was just a boat race of 100 to nothing. I mean, Brandon, it was what? Six minutes into like the first quarter, and it's twenty-one to nothing. Yeah, um, because I, I didn't start watching this game when it was first on, uh, so I, I turned it on a little bit later, and I saw the score, and I was like, "Oh my, this is this is bad. This is exactly the opposite of what I thought was going to happen." Um, I don't know. I, I, I hate this. The the Big Twelve is just eating themselves alive. I mean, guys, Oklahoma comes out scores. Three plays, negative four yards, Oklahoma State punts. Oklahoma goes down and scores in another six plays. Then, of course, Brandon, what does Spencer Sanders do? Throws a you-know-what interception. Four plays, another Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma touchdown. It's 21 to nothing just like that. Right. I mean, it was disgusting what I saw in in Norman this weekend, guys. I mean, listen, I know Spencer Sanders got banged up, had to come out. Shane Ellingsworth did his best, I guess. If that's his best, we're going to have problems. Are <laughs> I you agree. kidding me? It was Oklahoma. That. Right, Oklahoma. Oklahoma Sooners, Brandon. They don't even have a defense, I don't think. And they don't. You got held to 246 total yards, 2.8 yards a rush, and only completed four yards per pass. And you had eight penalties, you had a turnover, and you only had the ball for 25 minutes. You were three for 14 on third down, too. Right. And, like, there, I, nothing, nothing was impressive about Oklahoma State this weekend, except how bad they absolutely sucked. Because I, I thought, I, I think they tried, you would have to try harder to suck this bad than just to play decent. Right. Dude. I, I I was so disappointed by everybody's performance on this Oklahoma State team. Like, we wanted to see Chuba Hubbard come out and, and eat, and he didn't. He had 44 total yards. L.D. Brown even only had 23 yards, and he had he had the most carries on this, on this offense. Um, I mean, because going into this game, Zach, I don't think it was a discussion amongst anybody in the college football world as to whose running game was going to win this or was going to uh, be a big factor in this. No one in this world thought that Oklahoma's running game was going to take over, and it just did. It, I mean, it was it was crazy. Um, what's his name? Uh, Ramondre Stevenson for Oklahoma might be really good, or maybe Oklahoma State's well, defense is a lot worse than we thought, or I'm not sure. <laughs> well, you also got to remember, uh, Stevenson was suspended for yeah. the first, like, I think six games of the season or something like that. So this was really his coming out party, and the kid – Balled out. I mean, that's all you can say. I mean, the the kid balled out. He outplayed Chuba Hubbard. He outplayed L.D. Brown. Um, then on the other side, you had Spencer Sanders, who played almost a perfect game, Brandon. Right. Honestly, I mean, 17 for 24, 301, four touchdowns, no turnovers. His QBR was a 97. Yeah. I, I cannot wait to learn how that's calculated. <laughs> is coming. But listen, I mean, Spencer Sanders, Brandon, 10 for 19, 97 yards, a pick, a, a whopping 19 QBR. Shane Illingsworth, Brandon, five. Just <laughs> one hand on 21 attempts. That's tough. That's that's really tough. Are you, 
you, you got to be kidding me. I, I mean, you got to do something better than that. This is like, like you had a whole you had a whole reality show this all season. <laughs> you can't be the star of a reality show then come out and do this. Not on my podcast. <laughs> it's disgusting. I mean, this is a absolute this was the most atrocious performance this weekend, Brandon. And it I mean, honestly, Mike Gundy, I, I know this is gonna sound absolutely bananas. Mike Gundy should be on the hot seat after this performance. He needs okay, maybe not just not maybe just based on this performance alone, but based on his history with Oklahoma. I mean, this is well, they haven't beaten they haven't beaten Oklahoma since 2014. Yeah, and, and they've only beat them twice. And this, I mean, this was the perfect year. This was the perfect scenario. You know, when Oklahoma's slipping, maybe they're not the best team. You know that they've had in the past few seasons. But how do you drop this game? That doesn't make sense. Like, this is the one weekend Oklahoma team. This is the one shot you were really going to get, and you just blew it. I mean, they can still get there. They need Texas to lose again, yeah. but they can get there. It's and, you know, it's not going to happen. I mean, uh, but I want to call somebody out. You know, we, we like starting grudges on the podcast, right, yeah, Brandon? We yeah, we do. If I see one more tweet from anybody, I'm looking at you, Skip Bayless, saying that Oklahoma is the best team in the country and they should be in the playoffs. I am going to throw up. I almost I almost punched my television this morning just because I thought about just because I thought about undisputed. Uh, I mean, bro, the best team in the country? <laughs> not you not won. a chance. You got boat raced by Kansas State, who lost forty-five to nothing this weekend to Iowa State, who we, also beat you. <laughs> that's tough. Are you? Are you kidding me? That's that's very it's a very difficult situation that we're dealing Listen, with. N- n- nobody, not a single player. On Oklahoma's team, they might tell you, but you could look in their eyes, and I promise you, deep down in your soul, none of them want to see Clemson or Alabama or Florida, dude. Cincinnati would beat Oklahoma by double digits. I don't know about double digits, but they'd for sure beat them. I mean, Clemson and Alabama, Notre Dame. I'm not saying Ohio State. I have another bone to pick with them. I don't think they're that good, but yep. I still think Ohio State would win. But Clemson, Alabama, Notre Dame would absolutely demolish Oklahoma. Yeah, no, they would. It would be disgusting what they would do. I mean, Alabama just beat Kentucky 63 to 3 this weekend. Uh, I would I would I would bet Alabama would have a chance to put up 63 points on Oklahoma this year. And I would bet Spencer Rattler throws no less than three interceptions against that defense. Right. It, it would be it would be so can we please stop and stop saying Oklahoma is the best team in the country. I don't even think they're the best team in their conference, Brandon. Iowa State looks absolutely dangerous right now. Right. I. I yeah. <laughs> I agree. I mean, forty-five to nothing over K State this weekend. That that was abuse. <laughs> I almost called the police. No, I mean, the announcer said that. The announcer said that they should have a running clock because this was going to get out of hand. <laughs> That's tough. I mean, it was, imagine, it was like... 30- imagine, imagine being them. <laughs> it was 35 to nothing at halftime. I mean, and this this is a K-State team that you're, you had problems with. Like, ease up. 
ease yeah. up. I need, I need, I need to reel this in. But the one last thing I want to address, Brandon. I mean, Ronnie Perkins, two sacks. I mean, Nick Benito, a one and a half sacks. They got to uh, whichever quarterback was in the game at the time, four sacks. But Oklahoma, I don't. I know you said you didn't watch till later. They came out with such intensity, man. Right. I mean, they were bullying Oklahoma State. I mean, one dude. I forget. I think it was one of the linebackers um, on the defense, like pancake Chuba Hubbard, and just threw an elbow at him, dude, and was just like punching him in the face consistently. And looked at the ref and just shrugged. Like they did not care. They came out there and said, "We are going to physically hurt you." And th- they literally were bullying Oklahoma State from the game. I mean, Oklahoma State looked scared last night. And if there's one thing I'm going to praise Oklahoma for, it is the intensity and physicality they played with last night. Because I have never seen an Oklahoma team play that mean, that physical in a game. And I absolutely love the mentality. Yeah. No, you're you're right. I mean, I mean, from what I saw, they they looked they looked very physical. They looked, I mean, they were dominating. Obviously, when I turned and after it on. every play, somebody had something to say, dude. I mean, every single play, there was a finger in Spencer Sanders' face. There's a finger in Chuba Hubbard's face. They were like, "You can't do anything. We are better than you. We are better than you." I mean, yeah. I mean, that mentality. They were. I know. Yeah, absolutely. And Lincoln Riley, you had them ready to play. I salute you guys on this. This was. The best Oklahoma performance I've seen all year over Texas, over anything. This game was a statement win for Oklahoma. And I think they're on the course to uh, get back to face Iowa State, um, you know, in the Big 12 championship. But what a game, guys. Um, Oklahoma has a tough test next week, Brandon. They they have to travel to West Virginia to face the best defense in the Big 12. That's going to be an absolute barn burner out there. And then Oklahoma State, they have to face an upset-minded Texas Tech team back home in Stillwater. So look out for that game. But, Brandon, we end this show with the Big Ten and the chaos that just was the weekend. And I know you're going to be upset about this game. This game is probably one that you wish we could skip. Your boy Graham Mertz had a rough weekend. It It was was, bad. It was really bad. I don't Bad. know what to say. I don't know what to say. I can't. I can't keep fighting these battles for you, Graham. Uh, I mean, <laughs> look, I've been on the Graham merch train since the very beginning. But yeah, he yeah he had a he had a he had a pretty bad showing. I would say. Yeah, guys, number ten Wisconsin goes down. Northwestern wins this game seventeen to seven. And Brandon, I think we have a new favorite in the Big Ten West, and it is the Northwestern Wildcats. Which is crazy. I mean, that's absolutely insane. It's really not. Did you know they were in the Big Ten Championship in 2018? So yeah. this will be their second Big Ten West win or uh, division win in two in three years. You know, I was actually not aware of that. <laughs> yes. They, they, they went and played Ohio State or whatever and got murdered, but... Um. Yeah. So Northwestern is on track to win it in the for the second time in three years, Brandon. So that's pretty stout. So this team's been here, done that. Right. That's but, crazy. I, man, <laughs> <laughs> you could have given me. I Northwestern doesn't ever strike me as a good team. That's my problem. They sneak up on you with that purple, bro. That purple is just like it blends in with the dark, and you're just like, whoa, <laughs> where did whoa, they come from? Whoa, but, whoa hold on. <laughs> but, I mean, the defensive performance, man, 
what uh, I'm talking about for both teams, Brandon, Wisconsin and Northwestern. I mean, Brandon, Wisconsin, I mean, listen, I know the score is 17 7, but Wisconsin got dominated. Right. No, like, this was this this 17 7 is the biggest blowout 17 7 margin that I've ever experienced. Like, I was watching this game. Like, I was watching this game, Brandon, and from that first touchdown uh, for Peyton Ramsey to the tight end in the end zone, that first turnover, I didn't even feel like Wisconsin had a chance. You thought it was you thought that was game set match? Right. It was it dude, this this game was like ten to seven or fourteen to seven, whatever. And I was like, oh man, Wisconsin's got no shot. And it's like second quarter. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way they can win this game because they can't move the ball. Right. I mean, I, listen guys, Wisconsin, they allowed two hundred and sixty-three yards. 13% on third downs. They held Northwestern to less than one yard per rush and 5.3 yards per uh, per completion. Brandon, if I would have given you those stats, you would have picked Wisconsin to win a million to nothing. Yeah. And they lost by double digits and scored seven points. That, yeah. No, Zach, uh, this game is making me sadder and sadder the longer this goes on. If If you have like a friend who doesn't watch football – and you showed them this game and like the box score and explain how football works, they would have been like, huh? First of all, if you have permitted to watch football, just maybe get rid of them. Maybe listen, the okay. Listen, I have a lot up here actually, because apparently football's not a thing in Kansas. So uh, well, these people up here, out. I've us, yeah, uh, I'm not going to say anything. I, I have people up here that would be real hurt by that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> Northwestern Brandon on the flip side, they allowed 366, um, 366 total yards, but it kind of came in like jump time. And like Wisconsin was real great getting up the field until they turned it over. Um, they only allowed 18% on third down, 3.4 yards per rush, 5.5, you know, through the air. But the difference, Brandon, I think you knew this. Anyone who watched this game knew this. Five turnovers from the Badgers compared to the one for the Wildcats. And four of those five came from Graham Mertz. Dude, and honestly, <laughs> that one turnover for Northwestern, if they hadn't have had that, they would have, I mean, this game would have been out of reach early. Oh, yeah, it would have been a wrap because they were about to, they were, gonna, they were driving. Well, no, they were on the goal line. He fumbled oh, in yeah. the end zone. That's tough. That's a real tough look. Yeah. The, that's got to be the worst turnover of all time. Like, that, that I can't think of a more demoralized, okay. No. And it was I can't right think after, of a more demoralized. <laughs> yeah, you can. Um, it was right after that. Uh, right after that giant pass, and they called a touchdown initially. They reviewed right. it. He was down the half yard line. They ran the ball straight up the middle. He fumbles into the end zone. Like that's uh, tough. That, that is tough. I was gonna say. I almost say you, there's not a more demoralizing one, but the Tennessee turnover where he throws it to the end zone is a hundred yard pick six. That's a, that's a bad. Smoke Monday. Uh, what a name! I, I wish I'm a. I wish I had a more creative mind to name myself something like that. That is legit. But Brandon Graham Mertz, I think you could say played the worst game of his career. I I, I think that might even be an understatement. I mean, well, this kid. And you know what's fun about that? What's funny about that rather is that, um, you know, in, I think it was like the first quarter of this game. They were talking about how Jack Cohen, you know, he had his surgery in October. And they were talking about how he might be back before the end of the season. And I was like, why would you pull Graham Mertz? And then immediately after I had that thought, Graham Mertz gets strip sacked. I was like, ah, uh, well, 
That's why. Maybe Jack Cohen should go in for a little while. Sorry, Graham. <laughs> I mean, right at 54% of his passes completed, 230 through the air, one touchdown, three costly interceptions, plus that strip sack. I mean, he had a 44 QBR, Brandon, which was the lowest of his career at Wisconsin. And under pressure, you know, this is a place, this is a spot where Mertz has excelled, Brandon. He was so good under pressure all the time. 16% completion percentage for 15 yards and a pick. Right. When they got pressure on him, that is, that's atrocious. I'm a 20, that's a 29 grade for pro football focus. That's that. Look, I, I also don't understand the grade by pro football. Is that just like some guy, like, like it's a test he's grading them? I, I, so listen, I almost applied to that, um, when I was like an undergrad and like they have like a whole group of people. I mean, I mean, I think they have multiple people grade each player on like different scales and then they like, walk them through it and they have like pro evaluators go through the grades. Like it's a whole process. I don't know how they get these done so fast. <laughs> wow. Okay. So uh, that's why I take pro football focus way more to heart than anything else. That's why QBR is BS. Um, personally, sorry, personally, but I mean, Peyton Ramsey, Brandon, we talked to, we, we were very, very hesitant to say that he was going to deliver this weekend and he absolutely performed this weekend. Yeah, he, he did a lot better than I thought he would. I mean, I'm not going to say he had, like, the greatest game of any no. quarterback, but he, he he played really well. Yeah, not the greatest. I mean, he had no turnovers, which was honestly the greatest thing you could have this weekend. But he also had 203, two touchdowns. He had a 67 QBR, Brandon. That's not t- – that's a little bit above average. Yeah. But my thing is he finally had his moment. He made the plays needed to win the biggest game of the season for the Wildcats while Mertz really shrunk in the moment, and now they're going to need a miracle to win this division because Northwestern, I, I believe, if if I read it right, does not play a team with a winning record the rest of the year. Right, right. So this team could be undefeated going to play Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. They definitely could be, and that's going to be oh, – man, that might be, a, that might be a much better game than we thought because, like you, like you said about Ohio State, man – yeah, I mean, the one thing I do want to say is the Wisconsin rushing game did show up again, and there's one player in particular that really stuck out to me, and that's Jalen Berger. <laughs> Jalen Berger, what a name. Right? He's a true freshman. He seems to really have surpassed Nikia Watson as the leading running back on this team, Brandon. 15 carries, 93 yards rushing, over six yards per carry against a stout Northwestern defense. He did. He needed to find the end zone, but the true freshman didn't get much help, and then you look on the other side of the ball, Northwestern rushed 20, 23 times for 24 yards, Brandon. Wow. Okay. And they, and they still won the game. <laughs> That's insane. And you look at the time of possession, Brandon. I mean, Wisconsin, 37 minutes of possession to Northwestern's 22. Don't, don't talk to me about time of possession. LSU had like 42 minutes of possession, still won on a blocked field goal. That's fair enough. I mean, but I want to. The reason I mentioned time possession, Brandon, it's not for Wisconsin or anything. I mean, North. I, I just want to give a shout out to Northwestern strength and conditioning program because that defense did not break down during the game. Agreed. I mean, almost forty minutes against a physical Wisconsin team, and you didn't show up. You didn't show any weakness, any let up. I mean, and this is after an all season, Brandon, with no spring or summer training. Right. This team. It, they pre- they prepared for this moment, and I think that 
just shows what Pat Fitzgerald is doing out here in Northwestern. Because that, yeah. that, that is amazing. No, it, it absolutely is. And Northwestern looks great. I mean, in this battle of two defenses, I would say, I mean, it, yeah. Northwestern <laughs> looks incredible. Absolutely. And listen, Northwestern and the fighting Reese Davises made a huge statement this weekend. That is that is amazing that someone at ESPN tried to insult Reese Davis like that, and then they can't went out and do that, did that. <laughs> right. And, it, and in case you don't know what we're talking about, um, I believe was it Jesse Palmer on ESPN? I think, I think he said so. it. And he, he said that Northwesterns he called them the Fighting Reese Davises because they had no athleticism and after so the mean. game. Right, that's an insult not only to Northwestern but also Reese Davis. Like, who's your who's like one of your coworkers, bro? Like, that's so disrespectful. <laughs> I mean, anyway, that's that. But Patrick Gerald after the game was like, "Hey, not bad for some Fighting Reese Davises, huh?" And I was like, "That the disrespect is real. I needed that." I, I like the chip on your shoulder, but, um, you know, Wisconsin moves on to face Minnesota, Brandon, and should try to rebound, face a really Minnesota team who we're going to get to in just a little bit. Cause I had some questions for you, Brandon, some storylines I had to ask you about, but Northwestern, they're going to move on to t- take on a really Michigan state team as to fighting Reese Davis is in their quest for their undefeated season. But let's get to the game of the week here, Brandon, Indiana, their comeback big came up a little bit short. A 42-35 win for the Buckeyes. The game of the week occurred at 11 a.m. on Fox, which still pisses me off. But I think we got a lot of answers this weekend, Brandon. What did this game show you? This this game showed me that I think I want to play for Tom Allen. I'm pretty sure I do. He's the goat of coaches. The goat of coaches. Like last year we had Coach O. This year it's it's all Tom Allen, I would say. Uh, I want to play for Tom Allen. I'd run through a brick wall for that man. Bro, his speech after the game, I, I, like, I, I was ready. I, I was whatever he asked me to do, I would have done it at a drop of a hat last night when I, when that when that um speech to his team after the game came out. Oh, I'm telling you, like, I, I don't know. I, I I'm serious. I might. I, I haven't used any of my eligibility in college. You know, I've I still have four years left. I guess. Um, I might re-enroll. At, at Indiana, and and we'll see what happens. <laughs> but play long snapper, dude, fastest long snapper in the in the city of Mobile. Yeah. Um. Totally. But Brandon, I I posted this on Twitter, and there was I saw a lot of polls, and I want to get your take on this. Who was the best quarterback on the field this weekend? Um, n- not Justin Fields. <laughs> I don't know. Mike Michael Penix Jr. outplayed him. Yeah, he did. He all had five game. touchdowns, five hundred yards passing, all until that last drive where he was just th- he was just tossing bounce passes to his receivers. He looked incredible, but he had no help. That's the like thing. Like that running game, Jesus Christ! Right? Yeah. No, you're right. But still, I mean, you gotta. And I get it. Like that's got to be the most intimidating situation in the history of the world. Playing Ohio State in Columbus, and you have a you have a game you have a game tying drive at hand you know you know that's that's what's at stake and then i mean i get it you know if if i were out there playing quarterback i'd probably just take the sack you know on all four downs i mean he was at least getting the ball out of his hands i mean he was trying i I get it but i don't think you can under i mean brandon this game was 35 to 7 in the third quarter right 
And he led this team all the way back. I mean, 495 touchdowns, only one turnover. Yeah, he completed 53% of his passes, but he started out real real rough early, but then like it kind of went on early until the last it kind of went better and better until the last drive. He got an 82 PFF grade, but Brandon under pressure his completion his completion percentage went up. He had over 300 yards when Ohio State got pressure, 11 yards per completion, and no turnovers. He threw for 303 and two touchdowns under pressure. Right, just elite. And you know, I talked about Graham Mertz, but Brandon, I think this was the worst game of Justin Fields' career at Ohio State. I can see that. Yeah, I mean, he threw for 300, but he had two touchdowns. Three interceptions. He had a rushing touchdown, too. He graded out at a 64 by Pro Football Focus. Um, he was dynamic at times. I get it. But the same things that I've said, that Brandon has said, that other people we've had on the show have said, this is why he's not on Trevor Lawrence's level. Right. And don't get me wrong. Like, don't get us wrong here. He's still a good quarterback. You still got to take him early in this draft. But, yeah, I don't know. He, he definitely the, the, the talk about people. him being a Hosman favorite and him being the number one pick should stop. <laughs> stop disrespecting every other quarterback right now. Because I don't know. I don't know if I want to say this on the show. I'll just hold on to it. I, I'll wait. Same. I'll wait. No, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I was just going to say, I think uh, Zach Wilson is a better quarterback than Justin Fields at the next level. But That's tough. Okay. I don't know. Um, <laughs> under pressure, Brandon. 0 for 7 with two interceptions for Fields. Right. That's bad. That's still tough, man. You got it. That is terrible. That, that garbage, everything. And I want to get to this, Brandon. It's just the moment everyone's been waiting on. As soon as I mentioned it earlier, everyone's just like, I'm going to fast forward to find it. <laughs> um, ESPN, Brandon, gave Fields an 80.6 QBR. Okay. Pendix Jr. got a 77. Uh, this, that seems unfair. That leads us to the question, guys. How is QBR calculated? So instead of having a back and forth where me and Brandon question ourselves again and again, we've had that episode nine times. I went and found the information. Brandon, six different things go into calculating a QBR. Hit me with them. We, so first are the number of QB action plays, which are measured in expected points added per play. So a slant is worth less than like a deep pass that, you know, is just basic expected points added. If you're not taking risks, then the points added are not very high. These are adjusted for the difficulty. This includes da- what down it is, the yardage to gain, location on the field, and what the defense is, defense does. So if it's an all-out blitz, that play, that EPA is weighted higher than a play where the defense is playing zone coverage. Okay. Um, completions are only worth the typical or average number of yards after catch based on the type and depth of the pass. So the QB does not get all the credit for the wide receiver making someone miss. Okay. So yards after catch don't really weigh into QBR as much as like passer rating, which is why like Tua's passer rating is one of the highest in the history, but his QBR is not because Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle make a lot of people miss. Garbage time is also de-weighted. So if the game's out of hand, so if you're down 35 to nothing, those stats count less than if the game's 0-0 or tied or something like that. Opponent adjustments are also included, which means the higher ranked the defense is, the more talented, the better your QBR will be for your stats. 
um, which that should favor Penix Jr., but that's a whole other thing. And then EPA per play is average, Brandon, and transformed on a 0 to 100 scale in which 50 is the average, which is the QBR number we get. So the equation is raw QBR is equal to G, adjusted EPA divided by action plays, which is averaged across the entire game, in which G is that function from 0 to 100. And then raw raw QBR is then adjusted for opponent strength, and that is the QBR that we get at the end. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say about that. Don't don't put math in my football. I don't want any more math in football. I don't need algebra in it. I don't need. I don't even know how, what you just said, Zach. I, I I checked out after like ten seconds. So here's what I'm going to promise you guys, our listeners, is that we, or at least I, am going to come up with my own QBR scale, and I will be rating at least three quarterbacks a week on Brandon's scale. And maybe it'll catch like on. This. Maybe it won't. But I'm not I'm not dealing with QBR anymore. I I don't understand that. And I'm not telling anybody how I calculate my QBRs, but or my Brandon's the B QBRs. But it's I'm, I'm bringing it to you guys next weekend, so get ready. That's that's your Thanksgiving gift. So so now do you see why I use Pro Football Focus so much? I get it. No, I, I that's trash. It. Okay, fair. That's absolute garbage. Um, but I mean, Brandon, really and truly, the rushing attack is the real difference in the game. Um, Master Teague and the Buckeyes just absolutely rushed the ball so much better. T had what's 162 touchdowns. The entire team for the Buckeyes over six yards per carry, over 300 yards rushing. Um, all the yards came from Teague, Fields, and Sermon, who all averaged over five yards per carry. In Indiana, nothing on the ground, which is why Penix had to throw the ball so damn much. Uh, Samson James was the leading rusher with 10 yards, Brandon Eight came on one run, and as a team, sixteen attempts for negative one yard. That's that's not good. That's very bad. That's that's tough, right? Very. That's uh, that's bad. I mean, listen, but Brandon, I think my takeaway for the weekend is Indiana proved they weren't overrated. They proved that they're one of the best teams in the country, and they were for real. Yeah. No, they did. Uh, Just personally, I'm glad. You know, they only dropped two spots in this week's rankings. They dropped from nine to eleven. Good. They, they they probably shouldn't even drop that far. I I had them at eleven in my rankings. I only released my top ten, but they were eleven in mine. Where'd and the only reason week? ten. See, you dropped from one spot. That's better. And I thought about keeping them at ten, but the only reason I didn't is because I put Northwestern at ten. Okay. Yeah. So I got to put the undefeated. I I like. I mean, I have Cincinnati at five and BYU at six. Okay. So I, I think that weighs way more. Like I have Cincinnati and BYU over Florida and Texas A and M. Right. So I think undefeated matters. If Northwestern keeps winning, they're going to keep going up. Um, that's just how I feel. I think Indiana will be back in the top ten very soon if they keep winning. So I'm not worried about them. But Brandon, Ohio State escaped. I got to give them credit for the win. Uh, but I, th- I see some major problems that have to be fixed or co- and corrected before they can real- realistically compete for a, a natty. Yeah, no, you're right. There, there's definitely issues there. Um, and I feel like this is sort of the thing that Ohio State goes through, you know, year after year in a way. Like they start out kind of slow, and then by the time it's time for the playoffs, like they're speed, they're, they've been uh, speeding up, uh, they're playing a lot better. Um, and so I think that's probably something that we should expect again. 
a thousand percent. But the Hoosiers, they're going to move on to face a sneaky Maryland team that is looking for an upset, while the Ohio State faces an overmatched Illinois team this next weekend. But Brandon, in the show office, just a few storylines of stuff that everyone was talking about on social media. So I want to start Friday night, Brandon. Okay. Purdue, Minnesota. And the absolute robbery that occurred in this game. Okay. And the return of your boy, Rondell Moore. And he looked great. A 15 catches for 116 yards, Brandon, in he his first great. game in over a year. Right. I'm telling you. Plus, dude. he had a, a rushing touchdown. He's the real deal. All right. So, the, the controversy here, Brandon, did you watch this game by chance? Uh, no, I didn't. Okay, there was a call where the Minnesota defender intercepted the ball, but the Purdue player took it out of his hand before he hit the ground. Okay. They called it incomplete. What? Because they said no one had possession of the ball, even though the Purdue dude snatched it from his hand. But when he hit the ground, the ball was st- he was still pulling the ball away when they hit the ground. So they said since the Minnesota dude was partly out of bounds, that it was an incomplete pass. That that seems. I don't know about that. I don't like that. At and all. then oh, it gets worse. Oh, it gets so much worse. On the last drive, Brandon, the tight end runs a corner route. And when he comes out of his break, the defender grabs his hand. The defender shakes him off. They called offensive pass interference on the winning touchdown pass. Stop that. It was a disgrace. And I need to know, how do we fix the the ref problem in college football because we've we've seen repeated 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 mess ups in the SEC. But do you have a way we can fix this referee problem that keeps yeah. costing these dudes these games? Yeah, clean house and hire Twitter people who say that they could do their job better. That's my Ooh. that's my suggestion. Oh, <laughs> I like that. But could you imagine having like YouTube stars and like Twitter stars being the referees? Bro? I Twitter stars. I want like I want like uh, I want like uh, who do I want? I want like Arizona State Joey to go like you know what I'm talking about. Like the guy who has Arizona State's record in his in his Twitter handle. I want him oh, but, out there, bro. Let's just start. Like, every single like social media like football account should be it. Like, just take like the biggest college football accounts that post all the college football news, and they have to be the refs. Shout out LSU Dan. I want I want him to be a ref. Uh, I want. Could you imagine L- LSU Dan, dude? He would. He would. I don't. I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> he, he would have. He would have a good time. I would have a good time watching it. Um. So yeah, I, I would love that. I mean, and do you think they'll ever – so on the controversial replays where they review everything, when and do you think they could ever establish the XFL thing where we can hear why and how they make their decisions? I was never a fan of that, so I, I don't – What? I no, 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 no. We're not just going to gloss over that. How were you not a fan of that? I don't like that. I'm sorry. I don't there's some kind, guys, of, some kind of some kind of secrecy that that it, it's sacred to me, Zach. It's sacred. You know, you can't just go changing my football up. You can't do that. Brandon is one of those dudes who supports like the Illuminati. Like he's like one of those <laughs> weird dudes who's like, yeah, I love the secrecy. Like I don't want to know any of the secrets of the secret. world. No, why would I want to know that? I'm I'm perfectly content right now. 
This is absolutely disgusting. Uh, we're gonna have to cancel the podcast over this. I'm sorry, are, are we dude. kidding? No. Oh God! All right. Next storyline, Brandon. Penn State, zero and five. Not for good. the first time in school history. What is going on with Penn State? And is uh, this is? I cannot believe I'm about to ask you this, Brandon. I am like shaking. Is James Franklin on the hot seat? You know what's funny is that I texted that to Zach last weekend, and Zach's like, no. I think he is. I think he has to be. You start out with the worst record in school history. How are you not on the hot seat? Uh, and it's not even been close, Brian. I mean, so they lost to Nebraska by seven, and they lost to Indiana by one. Every other game, they've gotten blown out. That includes Maryland. And they got blown out by Iowa this weekend, who is three and two. Yeah, it was it. It wasn't. It wasn't even in Ames, was it? Um, no, it, it was at home. It was in Happy Valley. That's tough. I see, because the Children's Hospital wasn't even there to work its magic. Do you think they get a win this year, Brandon? They play Michigan on the road next week. They might win that game. But oh wait, on the then, road, big house. No. On the road, in the big house. Then they travel to Rutgers on the fifth on yeah. the road. Butgers, man, they almost won last night, but they are they are still. Butgers. We'll get to that. Ease it, ease it up. We'll get to that. Me and Charlie are still venting about that. And then their final game is Michigan State. I don't know if they. I don't think any of those are guaranteed. No. Yeah, I I, 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 I can see that. And just to make it worse, Brandon, they're the only team in the Big Ten that doesn't have a win. Oh, that's really tough. That's Nebraska. That's, that's, that is Illinois. That is difficult. Rutgers. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> they all have wins, and Penn State is zero and five. So, James Franklin, according to Brandon, on the hot seat. I don't. I don't necessarily agree with them, but it's tough, Brandon. It's tough. But the other storyline has Kyle Trask sealed up the Hosman race, Brandon? After another cancellation for Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson got taken out in the first quarter. Um, Mac Jones didn't look spectacular against Kentucky. Justin Fields, those three interceptions. Is Kyle Trask pulling away from the Hosman race? And in case you didn't know, Brandon, he has officially set the record for SEC touchdowns in this many games. He's thrown for over 2,500 yards, 31 touchdowns, and only three interceptions. Yeah, no, he's he's got it. I think he's got it. In the bag, I think it's I think it's pretty easy. And if if you're saying he doesn't, then you're an Alabama fan who thinks Mac Jones deserves it, and you're just wrong. You're just 100 percent wrong. That's you know, just, Mac that, Jones doesn't deserve the Heisman. Yes, he's very. I agree. Good. He's very good. And you know what? If if Kyle Pitts wasn't hurt, you know, for for as long as he was, um, then maybe there's the argument that that Kyle Trask is just working with the weapons that he has. But he doesn't have Kyle Pitts anymore. And and what which wide receiver on Florida's team are you trusting with the ball without Kyle Trask? I mean, you know, they they've obviously got weapons, but I don't think that they have anything near the level what Alabama has. And I think that Kyle Trask, I mean, if you put him head to head, even with their current weapons, I think he still outplays Mac Jones week in, week out. Um that December, because I think f- the way George has been looking has not been great, but that's our next storyline, Brandon. Your boy finally got his shot. Okay. JT Daniels gets his first start last night against Mississippi State. Georgia squeaks out the 31-24 wins. This is a double-party question. Were you impressed with Daniels, and what in the world is happening in Georgia right now? 
I have no idea what's happening at Georgia Zach. It's, it, it doesn't seem real. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was, I was impressed with, with, with JT Daniels. I mean, how could you not be? He, he only had 10 incompletions. He went 28 for 38, 400 yards passing and four touchdowns. This Georgia offense looks better than they've looked in weeks. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely impressed. I mean, and, and it's not like he had any run support. Their leading rusher had 21 yards, Zach, against Mississippi State. Right, and so who was missing? Who was missing? 18 scholarship players. Right, right. That's that's difficult. That's 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 hard. If you're Zamir White, that's hard to cope with. But yeah, JT Daniels. I mean, 400 yards and four touchdowns is 400 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, I, I get it. Three State, but. Yeah, he. I don't understand how he hasn't been playing. Like because I don't know. We we've talked about it over and over. I'm not gonna. Hit, I'm not gonna touch that again. But he should have been playing from the start. Kirby Smart hot seat for making that horrible decision. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, and the last thing about this one, Brandon. Before we move on, I mean, I saw some people on Twitter last night, and some experts even say, like on multiple platforms. That if JT Daniels starts the Alabama and Florida game, Georgia wins those games, and I don't think that's true. Yeah, you know, I think they might have beaten Florida. That that one seems a little bit more believable because they were winning that game. But Alabama put it on that defense. I, that's, that's a little tough to think that they're going to JT Daniels is going to go in um, Bryant Denny and throw for four hundred yards and pull off that win. He wouldn't have. I mean, like like you said, I think Florida is a little bit more believable just because they jumped out of that lead, and maybe they could have kept that lead. But no, I, I, I honestly don't think they would have won either game. Ah, oh, man. And the, we got two last ones here. First, Brandon, game of the year, three overtimes. Michigan pulls out the 48-42 win over Rutgers. When are you going to give Buckers any respect? And is so – I know Michigan won. I, I feel like the way they had to win put Jim Harbaugh even more on the hot seat than if he would have just lost that game. He did. Uh, you know, three overtimes against Butgers is tough. Um, what I will say is that I don't think Michigan's a good team this year. Uh, but Butgers has really has really uh, exceeded my expectations for them. Uh, the Shiano man. <laughs> That's tough. Either one in four, and you're like, man, they have just blown my expectations away. They have. Have they? I mean, I thought they were. I didn't think they were going to win a game. I didn't either. And they went into triple overtime with Michigan. If you would have told me that preseason, I would have. I would have. I would have punched you in the nose because that. I don't know. Like, don't lie to me. Don't lie to me or my family. Um, but no. I mean, they they have exceeded my expectations. I'm not saying like, oh, they're so good they've exceeded, but no, I mean they've they won a game and they won the triple overtime with Michigan. That's better than I thought and they were. And, and they and they might be Penn State. They probably will. I mean, they'll probably be two and what two and four. But yeah, I mean, so do you think Tennessee regrets not hiring Greg Schiano now? Oh man, uh, is are we are we putting are we putting Tennessee back in the hot seat here? Is this, is they're this two a, and five? Is this, a, is this a fire Jeremy Pruitt podcast again? Ah, uh, they're two and five. Tennessee, Tennessee Twitter was pissed last night. No, I know. They, they, were, they were a little heated. I think I, I, think I, read a, I think I read a tweet about the bidding war between uh, Tennessee and Michigan for Greg Schiano next year is going to be insane. <laughs> that, I oh, laughed. Wow. I laughed out loud <laughs> because that was ridiculous. <laughs> All right, last question: um, Who right now? 
is your prediction for the playoff four? And is there any way in these last two to three weeks you can see Cincinnati or BYU sneaking into the playoffs? I Man, I still don't think so. I'm going to go with uh, – man, this is tough because I, I want to put Florida in there bad, but I don't think I can. I think I'm going to go with Alabama-Clemson. Um, I think – no, not, maybe not Clemson. I haven't decided yet. Well, probably Clemson. Alabama-Clemson because um, I think they end up beating Notre Dame. I think it's tough to boot Notre Dame out of there, but might, they might squeak out at like five. Um Big 12's not getting anybody in. Pac 12's probably not getting anybody in. So we might actually, we might see, we might see BYU or Cincinnati sneak in. Um, have you seen the, have you seen the latest all state playoff predictor from ESPN? I have not. Alabama, if this is if the season ended right now, Alabama's at 100%. Notre Dame's at 92%. Ohio State, 78%. Cincinnati, 60% to get in right now. Okay. Northwestern, 51. And then everybody else is under 10. Clemson has a 1% shot as of right now. Well, yeah, if the season ended right now because they haven't lost in Notre Dame. Yeah, they're five. USC has better odds than Clemson, which is a little disrespectful because I can see Clemson sneaking in with one loss over USC coming from 20th. (laughs) <laughs> all the yeah. way to four. Jesus Christ, what right. a jump. I mean, but Cincinnati has a good – so, Brandon, if I had to give mine right now, I I think Alabama is going to get in because I don't think Auburn nor um, – who did they – I forgot who they canceled, LSU. I don't think I don't think Auburn or LSU is going to have a shot to beat them, especially Auburn having to go to Bryant, didn't he? We know what Bo Nix is on the road. Yeah. Um, and LSU probably isn't going to beat Alabama. I, I don't even think you think that, in, even in your deepest of LSU hearts. <laughs> uh, they, they have a shot. They have a shot. Okay. Um, I, I think Ohio State gets in. I don't think there's a team that's going to beat Ohio State in the Big Ten. Do I think they're going to make any noise in the playoffs? Probably not. Um, I think Clemson gets in. They're going to be healthy. They're going to beat Notre Dame. I have Notre Dame slipping up again. We'll get to that next episode. So I don't think Notre Dame gets in. I actually – Really, Brandon, this is going to – like I know – I think they could lose to LSU or Auburn, but if a wins out, they're going to be in the playoffs. You think so? Yes, I really do because I think they'll look at that Bama loss. It's early in the season on the road, and they'll give them the benefit of the doubt, especially if Oregon or USC doesn't win out. I don't want that at all. I really don't. I don't want. I don't want Texas A and M in a playoff. They're not. They're not a winning football program. They. I don't think they've ever won a national championship, and that's the way it should be. Uh, I got Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, uh, and I think it's going to come down to Cincinnati or A and M. And if Cincinnati and A and M went out, I think they'd give it to A and M over Cincinnati. They would. They. They've got something against the group of five. But if A&M loses, I don't think there's a way you keep Cincinnati out. No. I, well, unless Cincinnati drops the game here or there. Yeah, they have a tough game against Tulsa. And, Brandon, should we break the news here? There's a report. I, it's not confirmed. Don't hold me on it. But there's a report that BYU and Cincinnati are in talks to schedule a game um, this season to end the season. I think Cincinnati's open date is the 5th. If I'm not, it's the fifth, and BYU also has an open date on the fifth, and they're talking about maybe scheduling a game. And if and if Cincinnati or BYU wins that game, 
I don't think you can keep I don't think you can keep the winner of that game out. That would and especially Cincinnati, that would give them six wins over teams that were ranked in the top twenty five. Right. Right. I mean that would be a that would definitely be an interesting situation. That has to be a neutral site game, right? I can't oh, yeah. see one team being like, Yeah, I'll travel. That's basically what they're trying to do right there is that's that that is the group of five championship game is what they're trying to create. Facts, um, a thousand percent. But guys, that is our unconventional storyline segment. We wanted to get cover some big storylines. We're going to start doing that at the end of the show. We're going to shorten up pick six a little bit, give you guys way more diverse content. So make sure to tune in later this week. We have big, big announcements coming this week about Rivalry Week. We are covering a lot of games. There's a lot of good ones. So stay tuned for that. Pick six, we're going to recover. Me and Brandon have talked about it. We've developed a new strategy. We're coming back, coming back strong. But guys, Instagram at the underscore Blue Bloods, Twitter at the underscore underscore Blue Bloods, Facebook at the Blue Bloods Pod, our website, the Blue Blood, is, what is it? The Blue Bloods Pod.com. Uh, had a little brain fart there. Yeah, something like that. Find us everywhere. Uh, YouTube. The Blue Blood CFP podcast. You guys have been killing the YouTube game. Like I, most of our listeners are on YouTube now, so we appreciate that. Shout out to all of y'all, um, guys. We'll be back to your friends, family, girlfriends. Man, Thanksgiving's this week. Hand out hand out cards with our stuff written on it. I don't care. Tell your grandma to listen, even if it's while she's watching Judge Judy. I don't even know if that's still on, but tell her to put it all in the background. We appreciate all y'all listening. But for right now, we out.